Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Pranica. I am your other host, Benjamin R. Harrison. How's today then, Ben? Uh, today is okay. Um, lovely, relaxing day. I was just walking my dog and I uh, decided to pop into a coffee shop and get a nice cold brew to walk around the neighborhood and sip on and uh he saw a pigeon about five minutes after i bought it bolted at it and it uh slipped out of my hands crashed on the ground totally oh, no. unsalvageable oh yeah like end of usual suspect style it was it was a mess so i got home and i've made myself a margarita <laughs> which That's is kind of kind of the opposite of that a, isn't it of a nice coffee <laughs> yeah have you ever been pigeon happy Ben? My dog is singularly obsessed with the idea of catching a pigeon. And mm. I don't know if, like, I feel like if I was a parent and I was and I was at such pains to tell my child that they would never succeed in their goal, I would be a terrible parent. But, like, every time I walk him, I have to tell him, you're never going to catch a pigeon. And it Every time you try, I will stop you. <laughs> Aren't pigeons everywhere in New York? Isn't that sort of a problem if you have a pigeon-obsessed dog? Yes, Adam. New York is an urban place. <laughs> you really take great umbrage with any stereotypical statement I make about New York. Yeah, I It's do. not that I'm making fun of it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling you what I've heard. Yeah, we have, we have them here. But enough bullshit, Adam. I was gonna. Uh, I was gonna ask if you had any interest in going uh, card diving with your with your friend Ben today. I've got a great interest in that, Ben. The game is five cards. The game is exceedingly simple. Part of this is just the card there. Time to pluck a pigeon. Adam, I have two orders of business before we start ripping into packs. The first okay. is let's, let's each count where we're at, so I can tell how far behind I am. I've. Uh, Seven packs here. I have 14. Okay, so I'm seven behind you. But, as recently looking through my Series 2 cards, and I discovered that I had a special card that I did not initially identify as such when I opened it. Uh Uh-huh. I have a card here that is the card for Ethics the Worf is Paralyzed episode yeah. that was personally signed in pen by Juan Ortiz but I didn't I didn't spot it as a special when, when we were opening so I don't I, can we say I'm merely six packs behind you? I don't know man it sounds pretty sketchy to me well I'm just I'm offering this to you as a fig leaf and also so that your little victory doesn't have an asterisk next to it oh I don't want any asterisk victories that's for sure all right. Well, so, should we open some cards? I accept your terms. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. All right. We got a special in the first pack. Damn it! And it's a good one. It's a. Uh, it's one of those cartoonified crew members. Uh huh. 
It is. Who you got? Rolaren. Ah. Oh. We haven't seen her in a while. I don't know. If, she might not be on the show anymore. That's my row. I've got row envy. Yeah. Oh, I got a special card. In your first pack? God pack damn it. Pack number two. I have a signed Gates McFadden card. What? This limited edition autograph has been personally signed by Gates McFadden, so it's not one of the white border uh, B character signature cards that we've gotten before. This card does not have a number. It is horizontal in its aspect ratio. Damn. And uh, let me see if I can look this up. Is it a photo of her? It is. Fuck. Unless I get whoopee, you basically won the whole thing at this point. Yeah, it's signed in silver pen. I don't see anything like this online. Personally I'm seeing a lot of other signed Gates McFadden's on the eBay, but I don't see this one. Well, I'm, oh, there's, I see one. $65. Damn. That'll buy us a few more boxes, Ben. <laughs> That'll buy us one more box, I believe. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's the truth. Did I tell you that uh, I saw a $1,000 Jaeger on eBay not too long ago? The Jaeger bubble is still in full effect. That's beautiful. I, I, I sure hope it isn't somebody that got one at one of our live shows last year. There is something about the cards that I gave away at our live show, uh, something only I know that does not diminish their value in any way, but uh, I can tell you that none of those have been put on eBay. Whoa. I could recognize all of them. Unbelievable, Adam. Yeah. You're, you're a diabolical maniac. Fucking Jaegers. I could put a kid through college <laughs> off of that stack of Jaegers I have. <laughs> What kid? Too bad that'll never happen. <laughs> well, what do you say we get into our episode, Adam? Yeah, I think it's time. Time to talk about season six, episode 25, Timescape. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. We start this episode... Riker's in Six Bay. He's been boxing with uh, Data's kitty. I was putting down the bowl of food. The next thing I know, there's a hissing ball of fur coming at my face. And uh, he's got a big scrape on the face to prove it. I hate cats. Will Riker has been subject to a lot of head scrapes this season. Yeah. I like how he says that he was trying to feed Spot and, like, on cue, Dr. Crusher is there to provide exposition to anybody who doesn't know who Spot is. Data's cat. <laughs> it, is, it is the cat equivalent of Wesley, my son. I hate cats. Data's cat. Spot. I love cats. Yeah, not great. <laughs> also not really believable, because every time we've seen Spot the cat, Spot the cat has just been, like, laying there. Not an aggressive cat. Hissing ball of fur. Yeah. And also, that's ensign work, isn't it? Yeah, I Why can't do you believe... get Commander Riker to do this job? Yeah, you definitely don't... You don't ask up when you're asking coworkers <laughs> for favors. Boy, is that the truth. <laughs> like, this scene is here to establish that Data is not around. And uh, 
Riker like Riker gets called up to the bridge. The doctor offers to take over in the role of cat watcher, and he chucks a phaser at her. <laughs> says, "You're gonna need this." Just like man, like just tossing a phaser seems super dangerous. It really does. I mean, I guess they must have safeties, but still, <laughs> it's not yeah, good firearm technique, you know. It's it doesn't sound like credible firearm policy either. You mean that there's just one in like a random drawer in Six Bay? No, I mean like when you're the commander of a starship, like there should be some lockout tagout <laughs> action happening. Like like to even withdraw a phaser from Six Bay should require a little bit of effort. Yeah. But I guess they're just laying around like tricorders. Yep. They never have they never have uh aliens that they, you know, don't necessarily trust fully in Six Bay ever. There's never a phaser around when they get boarded, though. <laughs> that is true. Um, so we, uh, so Riker gets up onto the bridge, and Worf is explaining that there's a Romulan distress signal. They are still 13 hours away from rendezvousing with the captain, and so Riker makes the decision to go look into this Romulan situation. So we cut to a runabout-class starship with uh, Jordi, Troy, Data, and Captain Picard aboard. And they are coming back from a conference. And so far, uh, they seem to be more or less unscathed. At first, I was thinking of the runabout as just a Previa XXXL. <laughs> But like it actually has an NCC number. Like the the Winnebago size Previa is a starship. Yeah, and it is really big. Yeah, it's roomy as fuck in the back. Like it is, they're definitely not maximizing the use of the space. It is designed for comfort. Yeah, and it helps. It's sort of like how you stage a a house that you're putting up for sale by <laughs> making the furniture small. <laughs> like there's a giant back room in this thing and there's like a tiny banquet table and chairs around it. it really makes the space look big. It really does. They're having like a nice crew dinner. Troy is humble bragging about some, some scientist that was hitting on her at the conference. I'm doing a thesis on interspecies mating rituals. Would you care to join me? Just fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're sort of doing that post-conference gab sesh. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure we'll do one of these when our tour is over. Sure. Um, you have to. I, this is the uh, the scene where Captain Picard famously mimics the guy who just keeps talking Dog in one in long, one unbroken, unbroken sentence. sentence. <laughs> I always thought he was talking about data in that scene like hearing the song for the first time i was like oh yeah like he has to be describing him and so when this line of dialogue came out i was pleasantly surprised that it was just about a random why would he be doing that eastern european accent if he was talking about data <laughs> yeah is that what he's doing i think he's doing like a yeah like a russian accent or something like that it's fun to do impressions isn't it it is <laughs> especially if people that are just a different culture from you Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's not being mean about it. The meanness is about the ramble on. It's not necessarily about his speech affectations. Yeah. Well, he does. He definitely has like a pretty insulting expression on his face when he's doing it. <laughs> uh -huh. Like if if this guy was in the room, 
you know, or saw a recording of this, I feel like he'd be really embarrassed and his feelings would be really hurt. Yeah, not nice. But it's okay to not be nice sometimes, right? Like, this is not a point in the show where the Roddenberry maxim of no interpersonal conflicts still holds. Like, (laughs) I think this is realistic and fun. Mm -hmm. Making fun of people doesn't make you a bad person. That's what I'm trying to say, Ben. Well, it makes you a bad person, but it doesn't make these characters bad people. (laughs) Thanks. Because you're so relentless and mean about it. Those are the most popular ways that people describe me. So as they're sitting here gabbing, uh, Troy looks up and everybody is like frozen in space. And she she like stands up in shock. And then they kind of like they kind of unpause and they're all like, what, what happened, Troy? Like, why are you all of a sudden standing there with a shocked look on your face? And uh, and she explains to them that... Uh, Everybody was just paused. You just stopped and then started again. I can't explain it. Technically, they mix up the shots here in an interesting way when they pull this off, right? So you get the shot, the single of Picard, and he is clearly digitally frozen. But then when you go wide and you have Troy's movement, you have to do that practically. And so everyone is acting still in those angles i think that now cutting back and forth between them is the thing that that sells it yeah i think nowadays you could you could digitally freeze everybody in the shot but yeah because of the era and like the comping techniques they had available to them and like the relative like they could have frozen them but it would have cost a lot more in in these days so i thought the actors who were asked to be still did a great job throughout the ep like you didn't see the chest movements. You didn't see the the hand wobble that so often gives it away. Yeah, I feel like I caught like one or two little mess ups, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, like they do this, they do this a whole bunch of times. Like this is like the main thing that happens in this episode is people being frozen, and yeah, it's fucking great. It's very well done. Yeah. <laughs> So we come back from our opening theme and um and they're looking into this and they're taking it seriously like they're kind of trying to they're t- kind of trying to see if like this ha- what happened in Troy's mind or if it happened in reality and they're like exploring that when she freezes <laughs> and and so they get to they all get to see like what happened from her perspective it's a weird sort of like buffering that happens that everyone gets to experience. Yeah. Did you see that she was stimming the way she taught Barkley to? Tapping yeah. tapping behind her ear. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice callback. It seems like a uniquely Star Trek thing to take someone at their word when they say this has happened to them. Yeah. You know? This crazy, crazy as- thing has happened to me. <laughs> Yeah, as soon as Troy says this, there is not even a second of, really? (laughs) Maybe something's wrong with you. (laughs) There is never any point where they accuse her of being ill or having a problem. It is very specifically and right away a, what is happening to all of us, if that's the case. Yeah, they treat it as like she 
had an authentic experience. She, she's not, she's, she's telling her truth. And so like, it's pretty quick that they get evidence that something is going on. And what they figure out is that there are these bubbles all over the space that they're in that are like time moving at different speeds. So like at one point they like catch one of the wheels in the mud of one of these and it, and it like burns through all the fuel in their left engine. The, their use of statistics here to prove the hypothesis is really great. Like, they're out of fuel because, according to their instruments, the engine has run for, like, 40 days <laughs> or something. Yeah. Which is nuts. And then, like, in another scene, Picard reaches into the fruit bowl and <laughs> retracts it in, in horror and pain. And he's grown, like, five super long coke nails. Yeah. Because his hand has aged. It's pretty gnarly. It's uh... Can you imagine having one old hand, <laughs> like a like a trucker, right? Have you seen like stories about truckers who always have their left arm? Like you'll see pictures of their left arm, the arm that that hangs out the window, being super tan and old looking compared to their right that stays inside the cab. Oh man, Picard's got that forever now. He's got trucker hand. Yeah, that's gross. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> How quickly do you think he's got to clip those nails? Well, he clips them super quickly because they all run back into the cockpit in the next scene and his nails are trimmed. Yeah, not great nail continuity in this episode. Um, like, I, I really need to see him in the runabout bathroom, like, huddled over the bathroom wastebasket, like, clip. If, if, it, if, if it was really realistic, it would show him, like, looking in 10 different drawers before he figures out where the, the nail clippers are. <laughs> so they've figured out like more or less what is happening which is that there are all these like fucked up bubbles of space time around the entrepreneur is not where it's supposed to be but they figure out where in space it is and they pull up to it and they look out the window and there is this frozen scene in space of a Romulan warbird firing shots at the entrepreneur. The entrepreneur has like some kind of energy beam going back to it. Uh, th they ask Data if he can tell what that energy beam is, and he says it's impossible to tell from a visual inspection. Which I really like, <laughs> and <laughs> and so like they're they're a little bit stumped. Like Picard is. This is like a, a really emotional moment for Picard. He's looking at his ship on the brink of destruction and he's like, We gotta get we gotta get the fuck on there. Like remember remember that terrible episode Time's Arrow and how we like made armbands that let us travel in time for that? Can we do that for this? This is an Adam Nimoy directed episode, Ben. You may remember him as being famous for the hit episode Rascals. Yeah, uh, I think he had a lot better source material this time around. Super complex of a production, it feels like on this one. And if if you look back at our review of Rascals, like the two things I think we thought were the worst were the script and the editing. Yeah. And this is a much more challenging script to throw at a director who turned in kind of a clunker last time in the chair. And, like, I would say that the editing is great and the 
directing is great. I didn't notice that it was heavily directed. It was not stylized as much as Rascals was to me. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, and the like, editing... Like, nothing nothing you did took me out of the story. Right, and the editing never calls attention to itself. Like, you, like yeah. the best editing is not necessarily, you know, whiplash, where it's, like, cutting on the beat and, like, adding to the rhythm of the scene. Like, some, sometimes the best editing is editing that, like, just moves the story along without calling any attention to itself. Like, you don't even notice when the camera cuts. Rick Berman says, my feeling was that nobody should be asked to be judged on a work that was so unusual in terms of having to come in and direct these kids. <laughs> I basically said I would like to give him another shot to work with adults. <laughs> Is that real? Well, that's magnanimous, Rick. <laughs> nice. Jeez. So they put on their little uh, Hitler Youth armbands and uh, they turn them on and Troy like almost passes out. The explanation for this is real fun. It's almost like like going invisible scuba diving. They're like, put on these armbands. It'll keep you safe from what's going to happen over there. It's a suit without having to wear a suit. Yeah. But the effects still pre- present themselves. They say that the, the, for, the force field is like skin tight so that they can manipulate objects and stuff. Yeah. It's it's interesting. And they so they beam over and they beam directly onto the bridge and... What they find is like pretty surprising. There's there's blast marks all over the place. There's you know, it kind of looks like Riker is being killed. He's you know, like frozen in time. Looks like he's being killed. They're able to look at computer screens but not you know, push buttons or anything. It's a bit yeah. like the episode where Ensign Rowe and Jordy are are dead. It made me think a lot of that episode. There's a lot of tropes from that episode borrowed here, but it's they're all kind of used in different ways. Picard's attitude about this is strangely neutral. Like, he goes into full detective mode here, where I think a little bit more emotion would have been welcome, you know? Like, he has returned to his ship, and his ship is... Mid being fucked up. <laughs> and a bunch of his crew is being thrashed. And there's never a moment where he's like, oh, God, this is terrible. There's no there's no emotion to what he's seeing. What And what he's seeing is fairly emotional to witness. He's also just, like, confused as fuck. Like, they, they've got Romulans in six bay shooting the, the doctor, but then in the transporter bay, they're transporting Romulans over and they look like refugees, you know, like they're, they're transporting over Romulans that look like they need help and aren't bad. And in engineering, they find a big hole blown out of the side of the warp core and a bunch of smoke pouring out of it. And data explains like time is moving forward at an infinitesimal rate. And that cloud is getting bigger while we're standing here. Right, and that introduces the countdown on the episode and spurs some action, right? Because now they can't just linger. They need to see if they can do something about this, otherwise they're definitely going to lose the ship. Right, and I mean, they they have to also grapple with the idea that they've already lost the Doctor, which is not really dealt with. 
from like a feeling standpoint. Like Troy goes and looks at it and like reports back, but they're not like, oh my god, like no matter so no matter what happens, she's dead. Yeah, I mean the the cat basket phaser that was shot at her hit hit her in the abdomen, and then like you can see through her. Yeah, it's really death becomes herring. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the cat basket phaser was set to becomes her. <laughs> I thought Which is I'd... a statement that no one outside of this show would ever have a guess about. It is the guiding principle of a soft beating face. Now, you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. So, at this point in the story, Picard succumbs to what is called later temporal narcosis. And the way that the viewer is supposed to understand this is with a data turned to camera as he explains that it's like getting the bends when you're deep sea diving. It's not like getting... He says it's like nitrogen narcosis, which is a real thing. I know that's a real thing, but there is no way that is anything like what is happening to Picard. It is only a bit of trivia to help the viewer understand what's happening. I mean, yeah, like this is this is a weird part of the script because it... I guess they need to motivate them getting back to the runabout and like re yeah. reconnoitering the situation a little bit. But it does it does kind of, you know, <laughs> like they basically ask Picard to just like flop around in the Shimoda corner going nutso for 30 seconds while Data explains this, right? You get a real fun take from Peace to you here. <laughs> the crazy person laugh is a special type of acting, I think. It's like acting drunk. You don't need to tell me, Adam. It's why I don't act anymore. I didn't like it when Patrick Stewart did it either. <laughs> You're going to twist that knife again, huh? <laughs> know your place, Ben. You got a face for podcast, and that's about it. <laughs> So yeah, they 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 talk this over and they're they're like, well, look, maybe we can figure out what's going on if we go on the Romulan ship. So they go over there, and they like open up the Romulan warp core, and they discover that there is a like kind of like a living organism in it, right? Yeah, they pop open a hatch. It's like a mini space butthole. <laughs> well. As they're scanning this thing, the time in this in this place starts moving again. The uh, the Romulans that are all frozen around the engineering section like move back into action, and they're kind of desperately trying to stop their ship from blowing up. And they're saying that the power transfer from the entrepreneur is is what's causing it. There's a systems overload, and they're they're trying to shut it down. They're trying to, you know, pull the plug so that it doesn't blow their ship up. And this this Romulan runs in, and he's definitely like not with the others. <laughs> he's like he's observing the action from a from a remove in the same way that the Starfleets are. And um, when like time reverses and goes back to where it was. He like he like freezes in 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 place and uh, and they like catch him right. I'm trying to think about what this is a callback to, but it's uh 
it's an it's a callback to that same Romulan episode, right? It really is, yeah. Oh, and the other thing that happens during the scene is we get cut back to the runabout, and Picard is the only one there, and he's just looking out the window as time, you know, kicks back into effect, and all of the Romulan disruptors rip into his ship and destroy it. So <laughs> you see the like flash on his face as he watches his ship explode, and then like the Romulans put their thang down, flip it, and reverse it, and <laughs> the explosion goes in reverse order, and the ship comes back together. They really chose the right ship to be on at that moment, right? They sure did. <laughs> yeah, Let what would have happened question, to them? Ben. Are they? Yeah, is... if if they had been on the Entrepreneur when it exploded, would they have come back on the reversal? I bet they would have. Would they have like suffocated in space while it was exploded? Right. That is some weird canon. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that they were they were where they were. Yeah. Jordy is like looking at, at one of these consoles and this and this other weird Romulan is like looming over his shoulder and they're like, was this guy here <laughs> when when we came here the first time? And he like leaps out, he grabs Jordy. Jordy's force field disappears. And they both go down on the floor, and, like, Jordy is convulsing. Yeah, he's not in good shape. And his vitals are, are going in the turlet, and they rip off his armband. Yeah. This is pretty cool thinking on Tro- on Troy's part, right? Like, she... Well, it's also totally fucking batshit. Like, Troy is not qualified to make this call at all. And <laughs> in the moment, she's like, rip? I think it would be a good idea if we left him in this time because ripping off the armband freezes the person who is without the armband. So they're like, well, we clearly don't have the resources to save his life. If we just put him on ice, maybe there will be a chance to save him. Right. Which is really complex thinking for two seconds for Deanna Troy. Well, yeah, but it's like one of those, you know, you have to make a a snap judgment and she's kind of, we've got the the mechanics of this problem down. There's some bubbles where time moves super fast and some bubbles where time moves super slow. And she's like, if this armband comes off, he will be in the super slow time and he won't be dying. Yeah. Like he won't die instantly. That's a great point. Like she is not just uh, plot adjacent here. Like she is instrumental to the things that this away team is doing. She is not a potted plant at all in this episode, I don't think. And I mean, like, her abilities are also, like, useful in interesting ways in this episode. Like, they talk about when the when the gang freezes up while they're having dinner, how they go blank to her from an emotional standpoint. Like, that's that's cool. Like, that, that gives a, a dimension to this that would be hard to describe otherwise, you know? The last time people went blank to Troy, Troy went crazy. (laughs) So it appears as though she's better able to grapple with that idea this time around. I I had to go go blank to her. I had to use the music box. (laughs) It was the only way I could think to protect my house from her prying abilities as an empath. The real estate market as it is (laughs) makes a man do desperate things. In this overcooked market. Your Kevin has changed. What happened to your Kevin? I think our, Kev- our both of our Kevins have changed, Adam. I listened to an old episode recently, and we both sound super different <laughs> with Kevin. 
Maybe this show has changed us. Whoa. In ways we can't possibly understand. <laughs> so they they get they leave Jordy on the Romulan ship and they take the Romulan back to the runabout and he's got like tweaked he's got like T pain vocals. Like he's he's on a uh he's on an auto tune machine. And he's like Captain McCann. <laughs> I'm an alien from a different time period. I'm trying to protect my young. There's another one of me still around. <laughs> yeah, so this uh these aliens like thought that the warp core of the Romulan ship was a great place to shit out a bunch of kids because the way they give birth is via black holes and Romulan ships are run on like artificial black holes, I guess. It was my understanding that you couldn't get pregnant by going into a black hole. But uh, <laughs> I guess miracles happen. <laughs> Do you care about these unborn space butthole children? That's a good question, because the episode really doesn't. Right. That's what I'm getting at. The episode, it, it uh, treats these aliens as intruders that... Uh, have, you know, put the lives of the Romulans and the people on the entrepreneur at risk and must be stopped at all costs, which is kind of an uncharacteristic choice for Picard to make. But he also doesn't normally watch his ship get blown up in the course (laughs) of making a decision about how to deal with a new life and new civilization. And I wonder if that kind of factors into the way he plays his hand here. He's a little bit like a guy who's gone out to a car that he's left outside for a while and squirrels have made nests under the hood. (laughs) He's got to get rid of those squirrels if he wants to drive the car, and he doesn't really care what happens to him in the process. Yeah. I mean, also, like, by the time they reverse all the explosion, the aliens, the the grown-up aliens have both died. So I don't know how they would save these these babies when they don't, like, really know who or what they are. Because they're, like, trans-dimensional beings. They have no way of, like, re- phoning up some more of the aliens and be like, hey, listen, like, your two, your two little buddies bought the farm while we were trying to uh, unfuck this situation. Can you come get your kids? Like, that's... That's not in within their power. So, like, once those two guys are dead, they don't they don't have any like any recourse on the baby saving, right? A long time ago, I made the case that the crew and Captain Picard, in particular, should and could show a little bit more wonder in their circumstance. <laughs> and I think this is this is a part where it would be okay for him to emote that. Yeah, I mean, he watched his ship get destroyed and everyone he knows on board die moments ago. He basically just noted that event while watching it. Deanna tells him that his main love interest, his unrecorded love interest has been shot point blank with a phaser. He notes that. And in space butthole babies scene, he also just notes that people are making babies inside warp cores. At no point is he ever even bemused by that like he's he's so sober in 
in his absorption of this information that it that I think it cuts against the idea that I wanted to feel something for any of these points in the story. And it was hard for me to as long as he didn't. Hmm. Well, I just, yeah. I mean, I, I got a lot of emotion in the scene where he watches the ship blow up. So, yeah. you know, my headcanon on this is just that it's like, it's a, it is such a devastating idea that the ship and all souls aboard would be lost for him that it kind of overrides a lot of his more compassionate instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like it, it w- I mean, it would have been nice to get a beat of Picard talking, talking through those feelings. Beveler. <laughs> <laughs> Must save Beveler. <laughs> I can see you, you. It's almost there, Ben. Mm, Come on. Uh, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the day, Adam! The day that you get me to do a cheesy impression! Rudy! My love is a peep of longing tail for that which longer nurses the disease. So we have this fun climax where they they beam back over and they they kind of I guess data is running this show from um from engineering. Picard goes to the bridge, Troy goes to Six Bay, and they're kind of trying to set themselves up so that they can they can intervene in all of the nasty shit and what you know, what they learned when they were aboard the Romulan ship was that the tricorder can cause time to go in reverse for a little while before it starts back up. And and so like their plan is like shut down the power transfer, which has something to do with the warp core blowing up. Get that Romulan to not shoot Beverly, and get the uh, get whatever is happening to Riker not to happen, so that Riker doesn't die. And luckily, um, they have just enough people to cover all these bases. <laughs> yeah, so they all get in position, and um, they like watch as Beverly gets unshot, the warp core gets unbreached, and the and Riker gets unknocked down. And then they uh, they like hit the button and it goes back and just as just as it's about to as they're about to like start saving the day, a uh, female Romulan grabs onto Data and she is the second secret alien, and they go down and Data is not quite fast enough to get back up on his feet until the like ensign engineer age appropriate to not initiate the power transfer. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes, Adam. They found somebody not in their late fifties to play an ensign. It's like a job training program on the flagship. <laughs> like, are you ready to have a second career in Starfleet? <laughs> Call this number. Complete this art test. <laughs> Draw this turtle, <laughs> this pirate, <laughs> and this Klingon. <laughs> And if your art is good enough, we'll station you on the flagship of the Federation. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it works. Um, yeah. They can, so they can't get the they can't get the power transfer unset up, but they manage to get the controls of the runabout 
rerouted to the bridge of the entrepreneur and Captain Picard pilots the runabout into the power stream, which causes the uh, runabout to explode, the power transfer to stop, and they've like beamed out the Romulans fast enough to uh, to save everybody. Uh, Troy managed to like slap the the kitty cat dustbuster out of the Romulan's hand before he could kill Beverly. And he's like, oh, I wasn't trying to shoot her. There was a, a bad alien here, which is never really explained, right? Like, <laughs> like, why was he trying to shoot at this lady that's trying to save her babies? The fuck is wrong with you, Romulan? <laughs> yeah, that was a little over the top, right? That's, that's why it's so dangerous to have open carry Romulans around. <laughs> like, shit just pops off in a way that it doesn't have to. All right, guys, we are happy to save you from your warp core breach on your on your warbird, but everybody has to leave their kitten basket behind. You cannot beam over with those. It's like leaving a cell phone outside of a conference room. <laughs> like, can't bring those in the six bay. Yeah. I thought the idea of blowing up the runabout was interesting because it really prevents them from having to answer the question, where the hell do they park that thing? Yeah. Would that like, fit in the shuttle I don't think there's the a shuttle bay? bay big enough for it. Maybe there were some uh, some Deep Space Nine people hanging around on the ship and they were going to like take it back to Deep Space Nine when they're done with it. Or maybe it just fits in a shuttle bay. Who knows? That, know. that main shuttle bay is really big. I was yeah. I was looking at those schematics. It's so much bigger than it's ever shown to be on the show. Yeah, and like I want to get the scene where the Enterprise is given a bunch of runabouts <laughs> at a at a starbase. Yeah. Like, like they do some refitting of the ship. Mm. They swap out a bunch of their bunk beds for these runabouts. They embiggen the shuttle Pretty bay. Great upgrade. Yeah. Now you're a starship that has starships in it. It's it's uh Admiral Exhibit. <laughs> I heard you like starships, so we put some starships in your starship so you can starship your starship while you're starshipping your starship. <laughs> One more button to do up before we've concealed all our cleavage. And uh, it is Data sitting in his quarters, boiling water and watching the pot. Riker comes in and he's giving uh, Data the new duty roster or schedule or whatever and data explains that i've been testing the aphorism a watched pot never boils but whether or not he is staring at this kettle of water it boils exactly the same amount of time every time yeah he's clearly got one of those cooktops that boils water in 90 seconds or whatever (laughs) it's really nice data's kind of an idiot though right Yeah, well, Riker suggests, like, turn off your internal chronometer, because humans don't have those. I mean, it's a weird suggestion. It's a weird... Everything about it is weird. It's a real cute button. Didn't really stick with me. <laughs> yeah, you almost didn't remember it happened. I I didn't remember it happening. I just watched this episode. Didn't really have an effect. Hmm. Riker sort of slinks into Data's room as if he's supposed to be afraid of his cat. They should have done that thing where they throw the cat at him from off screen. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would have made an impression. (laughs) Yeah. I would have remembered the button on this episode if that had happened. Yeah. 
Did you like this episode, Ben? I did. I think that um, it is not mountain worthy for all of the reasons uh, we have discussed, but um, it's a it's a fun premise and it, it moves nicely. It maintained my interest, and uh, I thought um, while it kind of waved its hands to get past a couple of the issues with the aliens, it uh, it, it it was a it's an interesting one. And it, like that, that scene where Picard draws the smiley face in the cloud of smoke is so memorable to me, you know? It's like one of the great yeah. Picard moments, even though it's like, it, even though the explanation of it is really weird. That may be the main takeaway of this entire episode. <laughs> Did you like the episode? That and the street value of a lost runabout. Sure. I'm not sure that I did. And I think it all comes down to... The amount, like, like these characters are proxies for the viewer, and if the characters aren't emotional or caring about their circumstances, then it's not satisfying for me to watch them interact with those circumstances. So I, I came away from this episode just feeling a little bit numb about it. Like, I wanted to feel more than I did, and that might be, just be a me problem, but I'm going to choose to believe that it was an episode problem. There's nothing wrong with me, Ben. <laughs> I'm doing great. All right. <laughs> I'll take your word for it, Adam. Yeah, I'm not sure anyone believes that. <laughs> do we have any Priority One messages? I am sure that we do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. The interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. We have a personal Priority One message here. It is from Samuel Clemens. Oh, no. And in parentheses it says, please please read in crustiest Jerry Harden voice possible. don't. It is for Matt Gifford. (laughs) Message goes like this. I fear the hosts of this newfangled audio newspaper. Oh, have missed the incalculable opportunity to employ my legendary wits. Oh. Humanity. Can we send our money back creation. to this person and not air this? <laughs> Lost in the vastness of comic prairie. But I feel it essential to inform you that in between scenes, I fucked Deanna Troy. What? And remember, the only person that can write your story is you. This person is a... Is a maniac i can't believe that this even got through the filter there's a little bit of walking creep in my jerry harden as samuel clemens impression there's impression creep all over the place in all of your impressions adam (laughs) we've talked about this several times i hate that impression no unmolested impression like there's no purity to any impression that i have i hate that impression so much because it's it's a bad impression of a bad impression Do we have another P1, Ben? We do. It is from Marbles from the Boston Kennel of TGG H3. It is for the Greatest Generation Hash House House Harriers. Goes like this. This P1 is to announce that we'll be hanging a trail at the Greatest Gen Con 2017. Details to come, but we can promise... Pack and hairs in the shiggy, pack and hairs on the ice. 
a trail wharf could solve, and all the drunk Shimodas. Dustbuster shots and know who snocks on on. P.S. Secret ninja trail at the Boston show. Rage. Horns. There's a lot here to unpack, Ben. Yeah. I mean, or not. <laughs> Something is happening at this Boston show. Yeah. The, uh, the Boston show has sold, like, as fast as about any of them. It seems like people are yeah. really excited about that one. Uh, a lot of uh, hairs in the shiggy for that one, Ben. Yeah. Is that, like, cats in the cradle? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Well, uh, one trail that even Worf could solve <laughs> is the path to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where you, yes you, can have a Priority One message just like this for the low, low price of $100. Commercial messages are $200, and they are a great way to support the ongoing production of this show. Thanks, guys. Ben, did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I did, but I would love to hear yours first. It's super obvious, but it's uh, it's Picard's temporal narcosis scene. It is so close to Shimoda Corner, even, yeah. it, that one could almost draw a line between, between the two and make the case that maybe Shimoda Corner itself is haunted. <laughs> it's haunted with drunkenness? It's 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 slathered in temporal narcosis. It's, n- n- <laughs> it's narcotic in, yeah. in nature. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it's not drunk Shimoda. Maybe in this in this episode it's high Shimoda. Is that what makes Jordy so weird? He spends a lot of time there. Yeah, he sure does. So that's my Shimoda. No one no one is acting bigger than peace do in this scene. Yeah, that was that mine. A, I didn't I just like qualifier. I, I was gonna like I was gonna change horses midstream if you came up with something much more interesting than that, but that's like the obvious drunk Shimoda in this episode. So we've got a daily double. There are very few active characters in this story because of how it's constructed and what's happening. Like because everyone's frozen, you have a very small sample size of Shimoda's that it could possibly be. That's true. It's an interesting way so of So I don't feel bad it. about this selection. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe we give an honorable mention to Romulan who shot at the <laughs> desperate alien mother who's just there trying to save her children. <laughs> yeah, like, this is And didn't why... check his, like, the, like, direction he was aiming his weapon for people behind who could potentially get hit. It's It's why you're not supposed to shoot, like towards a crowd yeah like you got to check what's downrange of your weapon yeah not great boy do i love a microdose gummy from lumi labs i'm uh, i'm running low so i'm gonna head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. 
And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before, and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season six, episode 26, Descent, part one. (laughs) When the Borgs return to do battle with the Federation, they boast a new individuality and tempt Data when they help him feel his first emotion. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I do. I do remember this episode, and I remember really liking it. Yeah, me too. The Borgs are back in town. (laughs) Welcome back, Borgs. (laughs) <laughs> welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. 
man, there's just so many little songs that we can do about the Borgs. It's a real musical episode. Man, that uh, that time that I sang my little uh, shower song about uh, Buddy Hoosnock, mm-hmm. fucking so divisive. <laughs> like, I'd say that like eighty percent of what we heard back was people thought that that it was amusing, and then like, oh, there were just twenty percent of people that were so fucking mad about it. <laughs> I hate your joy, Ben. <laughs> I hate it so much. That's not why I tune into this show. Seriously. Yeah, he's up. It was it was some wild shit. Well, you're a divisive figure on our program, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've always known that. Yeah, no kidding. Well, one way that our viewership is not divided in the least is their interest in talking about our show after the fact, talking about it after, Ben, <laughs> on, in places like Twitter using the hashtag GreatestGen. Got a Facebook page, Facebook group, Reddit page. And uh, Maximum Fun Reddit page. Yeah, there's a lot of fun fun hangs out there for people who are interested in having internet hangs. Uh, also got if you've got complaints about Ben's joy, <laughs> it's probably a good place to take it. Yeah, sure. Or just uh, write an email to go fuck yourself at clownpenis.fart. <laughs> <laughs> I want an email address at clownpenis.fart. I had a uh, a friend of mine and I had a scheme where we were going to do a Kickstarter to raise the money to register the top-level top domain .fart and then make it like a public good institution. <laughs> like uh, like we, we would we would form a like a trust that would administer <laughs> the .fart domain. The Fart Trust. Yeah. That's uh, that, that's related to the Annenberg Foundation. Right, exactly. We would, you know, support some public radio shows and stuff, get the name out also there. Also supported by viewers like you. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I think it just proved to be way too much work when we looked into yeah. it. But, uh, yeah. It's a, it's too an much idea. work for not a great joke. Right. 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 A joke that it, we didn't even originate. <laughs> right. So... Anyways, uh, we should thank Dark Materia for our theme music and Adam Ragusea, who makes a lot of other great music for us because he is such a nice guy. And uh, with that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation where now Worf's battle tunic is on lore. What? Now it seems the ship over there... Oh, no! <laughs> ...might be on the verge of exploding, Captain. Oh, uh, your twain has changed, Adam. It is. It is totally... It's terrible. That's a... I'm cutting that out. <laughs> MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.